Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show tonight, our Thursday night Survivor show. If you guys have a question on Survivor, you guys can call in um, 347-237-5506. Let's, let's have a great show, guys. Welcome, Survivor fans. This is the Rad Reality Show Network. It's November 3rd, 2016. I'm Cherry Garcia. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight for Mike and the Mike with host Big Mike Albright. The number one survivor for all time. He's met 448 survivor alumni in person, and he's not slowing down any at all. So I think he holds the title pretty well. And he's got a great show lined up for you tonight, recapping Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. And this episode was titled, I Will Destroy You. Of course, we never know who might call in on one of Mike's shows, but the fans are always invited to participate by dialing 1-347-237-5506. Just remember to press the number one key on your phone once you're on our switchboard. That lets us know that you're ready to join us on air and you're not just listening to the show from our switchboard. Now it's time to get this party started and bring up our host, Mike Albright. Here we go. Survivor Superfan, Big Mike. Big Mike, you're up. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? How was your Halloween? Uh, Halloween was uh, pretty good. Uh, I had my own horror story, which is interesting. I had spent the past uh, two Saturdays on these huge fitness events. Uh, Two weeks ago, did the marathon, and the weekend after that, 
was hiking with my girlfriend and walked 14 miles and 110 flights of stairs. And then I was looking forward to this Saturday where I wouldn't have as much going on. But then sometime Thursday or Friday, I got bit by something. I think a spider. I'm not 100% sure. But that pretty much knocked me on my butt for several days. And I barely walked three miles two days in a row. And then Monday, I had to call off work. So it was... uh. You know, Halloween wasn't the best for me. I got to sit at home and watch scary movies after I got up from my own horror film and uh, still trying to recover from that now. I've been, uh, I got my normal walk in yesterday and today. So I'm just trying to get on the road to recovery. I'm taking some antibiotics, just trying to keep my wound clean and maybe I'll become a Spider Man 2 or an X Men. I don't know. It was just uh, rough. <laughs> rough little bit of time for me and uh i'm not through the woods yet so i don't know what happened i know we went we had a halloween party after the show last week my girlfriend and i went as uh forrest gump and lieutenant dan to our staff halloween party and i don't know if it's the shorts that i picked up at goodwill or something else got to me somewhere some big old i assume it's a spider i've had a couple similar bites before in my life probably a brown recluse or something and it just right on my upper hip so it's right on my belt line and it was just it, i've just had a rough rough few days so halloween was definitely scarier than normal for me how was your halloween well we i had to do a show with michelle so we couldn't give out candy um we had to turn out the lights upstairs and our house we have a, a pretty big house and and our formal living room and bedrooms are upstairs, but we have a a big family room and one bedroom downstairs. And I do the show from, from downstairs in our family room. And that's a good thing because we were able to turn off all the lights upstairs and make it look like nobody was home. And I hated to do it because this, the subdivision we live in goes all out for Halloween. And Rich's boss lives here in the, in the subdivision, and he said that there were so many kids out. It was like in the 80s that day. I think we hit 85 that day. Maybe yeah, we were, were in the high higher. 80s, I think, or high 70s, low 80s here, so, yeah. And his boss said that there were kids lined from his front porch all the way down his sidewalk and all the way up the outer sidewalk up the street. And he said there was just tons of kids. So, um, you know, we missed a pretty good one. But, you know, the show must go on. And so we did the show from... Um, six to seven, that's pretty much the highlight of Halloween candy time. So we just didn't give out candy at all. We didn't turn our porch light on after the show. We just didn't give out candy at all this season. Mm-hmm. And we stayed sort of hidden in our, our basement <laughs> um, this, this year. Last year we gave out candy galore and seen some of the most awesome costumes ever we really enjoyed it but this season we stayed in and stayed hidden (laughs) 
That's definitely a smart way to do it. And I, and I didn't, I mean, it was, I was looking forward to possibly passing out candy for the first time. Cause I'm usually, we've got other events going on and, but I, I didn't have any kids knock or anything. So I got lucky. I could just rest. But the Tuesday before that, we had an event on campus called uh, goodies for goblins where all the kids from the, the city come out to the campus and they can trick or treat in the residence halls and some of our Greek houses and they can come play games and we gave them pizza and punch and cookies. And so I got to see plenty of kids in the week. So I didn't get to see any on Halloween, but I saw plenty of ghosts and goblins and pirates and superheroes and everything else you can imagine that Tuesday. So I missed everybody Monday, but I was, I was okay with that. So, your your bite is is it turned like your skin color around it dark um, or anything like that or I'm a little I was worried about that. Heat, I was using a heat pad to kind of for the advice of my director of health services here. So and that was trying to get I think get things out of the wound and that it was successful. Um, it just looks kind of nasty, but it doesn't really look that infected. It's just this looks like a nasty spider bite, but I'm monitoring and I keep, uh, you know, refreshing the bandage and uh, just seeing what's going on. I'm taking my antibiotics, and I think if it looks really bad tomorrow, I may have the doctor look at it. Our our campus doctor, he's the one that put in the the prescriptions, but he hasn't seen it directly, and he may, you know, lance it or whatever. He, I guess the our Jill, who's a Survivor fan, and so are her kids. But uh, she's like, yeah, Dr. Zwick will lance that up if you want. And I'm like, hey, let's just see what happens here. I don't need anybody slicing me up in the, our health center just yet. So so we'll keep I it monitored. It's have... not streaking or going red around it. That's what some family members said to watch for. And I haven't seen, you know, things coming away from the wound. Um, it's just well, a big lumpy. Is... I'm not so concerned. Well, I mean, yeah, you do want to watch for the streak. You do want to watch for that that's infection. But my concern is if it's a brown recluse, um, it kills the tissue. Mm-hmm. It's a bite. And so you want to have a doctor take a look at it and see what's going on there because if it, if it was a brown recluse it could be killing that tissue there at that wound site and yeah you just want to have a doctor look at it yeah I'll probably see if I can get in to see Zwick in the morning I normally have to do a walkthrough with our custodial manager on Fridays but that just got cancelled so Maybe I'll run over and let him take a peek. Um, so hopefully it's not worse than we thought. But um, I'll I'll go see Sean in the morning, and um, hopefully I'll be okay. I don't know. I don't want to have a bunch of dead skin. I don't. I've been trying to lose weight, but not via losing my middle torso due to some spider getting hungry. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's. I mean, I had a friend who he he was a Maytag man. <laughs> and uh you know when you're doing washers and dryers all day getting under yeah. there um you can imagine he came across plenty of spiders and he did get bit by a brown recluse once and I know 
what that outcome looks like, and it was really, really bad. It was really severe, and he didn't have his addressed right away either. He kept, you know, saying, well, I'll wait, I'll wait, and he wished he hadn't waited. Um, so, oh, you, dog, dog, you go have a look at it, yeah. I'm I'm gonna listen. I'm the man that listens to smart women and not like other dumb men that don't. So I'll uh I will see Zwick in the morning and uh have him take a look see poo and if he wants to lance it or do something else interesting. I just hope he doesn't throw me in the hospital because I got a busy weekend, but we'll see. I'd rather have a existing week the next week, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, that would be my my best advice is to have a doctor take a look at it. Well, um, what an interesting, exciting episode we had. I mean, we're we've we're a little at at post co wrong thinking, you know, what's going to be going on. And I was the first one to say I wasn't too keen on the theme of this season and some of the elements of it, but. Um, I, I've liked every episode thus far. It's a little interesting, uh, the, the elimination of who's gone each week. Um, some people online have talking about it's very, it's very interesting. The gender component's one element, which is just interesting, but there's a large number of people of color on this season versus other seasons. It's not like Cook Islands or Fiji, and one of the... It's a kind of a disturbing trend that I just realized too when I was running the numbers that there's been seven eliminations, and of the seven, six have been women, and of that, um, almost all of them were women of color. And even Figgy, to my knowledge, has like multi ethnicity. So just you know, she appears, you know, predominantly Caucasian, but from my understanding, is she's also, you know, not just a majority person so it's just it says a lot about the show for there to be the elimination a lot of that specific scenarios with specific people but in general what does it feel like as a woman to hear you know the first six of the first seven boots in four in a row to be female yeah you know it seems like that happens a lot in Survivor. You know, the women seem to go much more quickly than the men. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and that's because, you know, they want to keep the strength for the challenges. And therefore, you know, they keep the men around. And it just seems like the women always get picked off earlier in the season. And we've had to balance a little bit of the women that have been eliminated. Some were booted because they weren't good in challenges, and a couple of them, one, the most recent, was booted just because they were too awesome, I think, in the challenges. And we had somebody else yeah. on early that was just too strategic, Mari, and then Lucy kind of helped orchestrate a blind side and then got too powerful. Then she got, she got the boot. So, and it's, you know, Figgy got in a showman. So it's just interesting courses to get to where they were, but you know, the same kind of result. So I just found it. And I don't, 
the data I'm not 100% sure on, but I would almost be certain that out of seven votes, six of them being the same gender, I doubt that that's happened. I mean, I can run some stats for next week, but off the top of my head, I can't recall anything that dramatic except maybe One World to get so many women at the end. But even with that, I think there was a decent balance between the male and female vote outs, especially, you know, initial votes, because those usually are relatively split between the genders. So I just I just found it a neat, neat data, and people were talking about it a lot online. And there's been a lot of blowback because of how much the person was, you know, edited and presented to the fans as this huge character. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, I'm not going to watch Survivor now. And I'm like, guy, that's not a good response. I mean, we all like the people we like on the show, but there's been all kinds of people I've liked over the years, and I bet you have too, that didn't didn't make it to the merge or didn't make it where we wanted them to make it. And none of those eliminations have led me to be like, all right, I'm done watching Survivor. So have you seen that online this week too, a little bit? I don't know if I've seen people say they weren't going to watch it, but I know I've seen people say that they were highly disappointed. Um, and you know, I was shocked. I have to say I was shocked. But I certainly would never say I'm not going to watch Survivor. Um, to me, that's a bit ludicrous, but it definitely... They blindsided me as well <laughs> with that one. Yep, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. Like you mentioned, that this happened a lot, and the only time it really didn't happen as dramatically as this is, what, pretty much One World, um, what, San Juan del Sur had a female final, but it's, it's so rare, and it's the, like you were saying, the, the keeping them in for the strength, but... It's so interesting how men and women relate to each other and to their own gender group with, you know, wanting to target each other. So it's been very rare to have a huge female alliance do well. They're so isolated in the history of the show. It's just an interesting thing to look at. Well, and women don't often just don't get along well together in an alliance for long. Um, they're just, I'll, I'll just say it, they're just too catty. Yeah. And they don't trust one another. And women oftentimes will get along better and trust men in an alliance more so than other females. And why, you know, why that is, I can't say, other than it's just a cattiness. And it's sad because, you know, it's not just on Survivor. We see it on Big Brother as well. Mm-hmm. You know, women try to, you know, have an all-female alliance. And it always falls apart because women just can't seem to trust each other enough to stay together for a, a long period of time before... Someone ticks, you know, another one off, and it gets down to that little nitpicky, catty kind of stuff that women will let something 
small get under their skin where guys will just sort of shrug that kind of stuff off. Yeah, you know? I would agree. With, I would agree with that. That um, men usually get um, over issues quicker, but then they're also simultaneously less likely to, I guess, talk about an issue necessarily if there is a, specific, a real issue or a perceived issue. So I think that's why they typically do a little better is, you know, they're, A, less likely to dwell upon what happened, and, B, less likely to talk about an issue they have with somebody if they don't have to. It's just the way men are wired differently. So being less complex and less strategic could pay off for you, I guess, if you're – so dudes, I guess way to go for being shallow and not talking. It, it I guess, can help in some in some settings. Uh, interesting. I was just curious to, because it seems to be a trend in reality in there, and I just don't know why why it occurred. Because I know that I'm somebody that's very passive aggressive, but you know I can still you know work with some people, and I've had some other people who are like I don't even want to deal with her, and I'm like, well, we kind of have to, so uh, let's you know make make things work. So right. That's some just general observations and you know the show's always been a microcosm of society so it's interesting how these 20 people on a beach in Fiji are uh, similar to 320 million people in our country and 7 billion in the world just some of the same things happen so it's just just a neat little neat little thing Um, in the recap the one thing on the previously on Survivor that I found interesting is they're talking about everything that happened last week and, you know, especially with the gender, you know, skew that's happened with the vote outs, I really didn't like how Jeff said and Taylor's girlfriend was sent home. Like, this person has a name. And even her name in the game is just a nickname for her surname. It's like her name's Jessica, and no one called her that at all. What is it, Figueroa? But she just goes by this nickname, Figgy, but he probes to, won't even address her by her name in the promo and the recap of the last week's episode. She's like, Taylor's girlfriend, and, you know, what a horrible moniker just to be, you know, when they're re- recapping the episode you're booted from. So did you have an opinion on that? Did you notice that? Yeah, and, you know, I I do think that, she should at least be addressed by him by her real name mm-hmm. at least once at least at some point you know yeah it, <laughs> maybe you know I mean as she's as she's being voted off, you know, to show a little respect, say, you know, Jessica, a.k.a. Figgy. Yeah. Bring me your torch, you know, or just acknowledge her real name and who she is as a person, you know, and I don't know. I just, I just didn't like the the way that went. But um, I thought, for the most part, when they came back to Jakali camp at the beginning of the episode, night 18, 
I thought Adam went, was very direct, went to Taylor, and he was, uh, you know, he was very direct and, you know, didn't want to be like, oh, I'll talk to you later and all this, you know, you know, sketchy and like, all pissy. You know, he, I thought Taylor, as much as I haven't liked some of the stuff he's done on the island and definitely some of the stuff off the island, which was interesting to find out this week, um, <laughs> I, I thought he handled that pretty well. So, get uh, Adam talking to him and wanted to walk through, you know, why he did it. Um, I didn't know. Uh, I, I understand Adam wanting to say specifically, you know, what happened. And I, I 100% admit to what I did. And, like, well, yeah, duh, we know you're the swing vote. So, it's good to be that honest. But he's like, yeah, I basically, what did he say? I, uh, I'm looking for my specific notes. Yeah. I screwed you 100%. I admit it. I mean, we just kept, like, saying it over, and I'm like, he gets it. Like, you, you stabbed him in the back. Now you're stabbing him in the front. Like, you know, stop stabbing Taylor. You think he's not there to kiss his wound. So, like, All right. Were you about to say something? I feel like I cut you. Cut you off. Um, oh, I think I was just going to say he – he really didn't have much of a choice to to really put up a whole lot of a fight because he didn't have he doesn't have anybody with him anymore to to sort of be on his side i mean he i think if he had had figgy or you know if some someone had if he if he had done that to them instead of just him and Figgy was still there, I think he may have put up a little bit more of a defense or said a little more. Mm-hmm. But because he's there alone now, so to speak, I think he really didn't have much of a choice but to sort of take it as he did and be sort of laid back about it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that, um, that's a good that's a good read, yeah. And I liked uh you know, Taylor's like I'm beyond pissed at Adam. Um there's a quote of the episode, but then I'm just trying to read that. I can't read my own handwriting, but the I will destroy you. I felt like I was watching a young Darth Vader somewhere. I mean, it looked like a beach. Looked a little like, a little like Mark Hamill or uh, Hayden Christensen. Like I will destroy you. I could just. I wanted to see like uh, John Williams music playing and him like, you know, sharpening a lightsaber out of bamboo or something. He's just like he wants total vengeance on Adam, and it's like, okay, you might want to move forward in your game because. Uh, Adam's got some stuff to work with that I wouldn't uh, I kind of want Taylor to maybe make a move towards Adam because uh, he could get idled out if he wants to go too crazy so, but I found that his reaction was it was great TV I didn't really you know I'm definitely on team Adam when it becomes between the two of them right and, uh, then they flip over to uh that was all night 18. Then there was a commercial break. 
Uh, morning of day 19, uh, you see the Vanua tribe together, and, uh, you know, David is uh, still working a good game, and he's. I thought it was interesting that he was talking about if they go to the tribal, he wants Michelle to get voted out, but he was really worried about Chris pulling a fast one on him, so I thought that was just great awareness there, but he also was appreciative. Was it he? I think David mentioned to Michelle, like, thank you for for making the rice. So I think it was, I think that was either Chris or David. So I, I appreciated that, but it was interesting. Some of the gender roles again on the show where people kind of fall into different roles from society, how these little small societies are the same and almost every season that seems to be the case. It's just, it's just a fascinating thing. If that's hardwired into human beings or, you know, I don't know if that's nature or nurture. Do you have an opinion on that with just people, how they react to survival situations and who's hunting and who's making the food or just interesting to me? I don't know. It is interesting. You know, and, and I think it's it's nice that people recognize others for what they provide, you know, if mm-hmm. – you know, just saying, you know, that thank you means a lot to somebody who's provided it. That sure. little bit of recognition, you know, can go a long way. I I agree. What do you think <laughs> about David talking uh, with Zeke? Yeah, with him, uh, yeah, when he said, um, you know, sharing knowledge is risky, and that's very true. I, I, They're just with each other, and they get to see each other more than we do, and I think he just could trust, he felt he could trust Zeke. And then from the promo, you know, Zeke's such a talker and a strategist. I thought, I thought David was going to get played, but from watching how it aired, there seemed to be some very – you know, my gut reaction to that is it seemed pretty genuine. Like, Zeke likes Chris a lot just because he's like his boyhood hero. But I think Zeke and David are definitely more similar people than Zeke and Chris and definitely not David and Chris. So um, it, I'd like to see them actually link up because I like David and Zeke more than Chris. And as awesome as Michelle's been and how strategic she's been. And, um, if you know, the merge is... The merge is here now. We know at the end of the episode, but if they had had to go to tribal, I would have been supporting a Michelle or Chris Chris vote out. I think they both would have been smart moves pre-merge. But I thought it was ballsy for David, but Zeke handled it well and said the right words. And I I think there's a lot of genuine genuineness with that. So, what do you think? Well, sharing knowledge of him having the hidden immunity idol to me. I don't know. I'm. I worry about it a little bit because it's always. I love the players who can have a hidden immunity idol and keep it solely to themselves. You know that I've said that a thousand times. Yep. But if David can, you know, pull Zeke's trust in him over. By sharing that knowledge, 
that's a good thing. You know, Zeke did say, you know, um, he has put his life in my hands, and I'm going to take very, very good care of his life for the time being. Mm-hmm. Those last four important, words important concern me. Yep. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It was definitely, that was a dot, dot, dot for sure. And when will the time not be? That's the biggest question right. I think he needs to think about. But I think Zeke might see that in the millennial group, there may be a reason why to want to have his own thing going because he and Adam were on the bottom of that before. And they've only since then only lost, let me jump back and make sure I don't miss anybody. Yeah, they've only lost Mari and Figgy and, and, and the person booted from this episode. We want to <laughs> directly say it quite. Yeah, I mean, we've tiptoed all around it, but there's a bunch of other people that were definitely not in Zeke and Adam's court, and they're still down five to two after those three people are gone. So if Zeke's smart, he should be wanting to work some other kind of deal. And I think if you bring in Zeke and David with maybe Chris, and you tie that in with um, this new grouping and with Ken and uh, Ken Jessica and their group with, um, oh my goodness, I'm having a, senior moment tonight. I'm just forgetting everybody. <laughs> the hell's all, and Adam, yeah, you bring in... Yeah, I'm trying to get all this. If you bring Adam and Zeke together with the groups they put together with the other group, they should have close to the majority. And now it's all up in the air in the other tribe. So Brett and Sunday are live votes. You've got Chris, David... So anything's possible, even though in Ken and Jay. So all together, there's a. They're not doing as bad as they could coming into this for the for the former Gen X tribe to only have lost four people with how they were the minority on all these merge groups is just two of the three groups is just shocking that all three tribes went to tribal, and all three tribes, the majority on paper wasn't the majority. I just think that's great. It makes it, it makes the show more interesting that it wasn't these majority groups just knocking people out. So I'm really glad that Survivors is exciting. All three tribes voted against their numbers. Yeah. Vanua with CC going two weeks ago. Um the Xers were up three to two, and then they agreed with taking her out. And then last week, uh, Takali, same thing. Figgy, Figgy, and uh, Taylor and Adam had the majority, and Ken and Jessica got Adam to go with them. And then, and last night, sh- shockingly, Jay and Will get with Sunday and Brett, and they take out the biggest personality of this whole season and somebody that I think production was making us definitely want to support and follow so you know the person that's getting the best edit is now blown up pre-merge so I, I can understand why some fans are pretty upset and but you know editors have to use what they have so if Michaela was kicking butt and taking names for seven episodes you got a highlighter 
But now that she's gone, you know, where's the emphasis going to be? When you just look at the rest of this group on paper, from a personality standpoint, it's got to be what David and Zeke are the biggest personalities left. And maybe Jay, under the right circumstances, or Taylor's vendetta, he might provide some interesting TV. Cause he, but some of these immunity, imagine these immunity challenges with all these alpha males. It's uh, look at we're looking at the presumed merge from what they said. We've got Brett, Ken, Zeke, Jay, Taylor, Will, and David versus uh, Sunday, Jessica, Michelle, Hannah. So I think that's an interesting. Interesting matchup, and I don't want to count anyone out of any challenge, but there's a lot of dudes that are going to be targets. So going into that, going into this merge, Sherry, if you were playing the game, who would you want out next out of all these strong people? Would it be one of these guys or one of the ladies, or who would you who would you want to target? Man. A lot of options. I know. At this or point. Or maybe even not a threat that way. Maybe to somebody you think that should go. Like maybe they've kind of, they're lucky to be in the merge and possible jury just from everything that's transpired thus far out of all these people. Sorry to leave you I'm, hanging. I'm, I'm thinking possibly Chris because he's going to be dangerous once they go to um, the merge and it's, you know, everybody fighting one on, you know, for themselves. Yep. I'd agree. He's, uh, he's definitely the biggest, strongest guy, and there's all kinds of challenges that that would bode well in, but it seems like stuff like shooting that slingshot and in the water and doing other stuff, he just seems good. He's a, He was a Division One athlete, so, yeah, I would agree Chris would be one of my, you know, quick targets. Ken, I love him to death, but that dude's strong. Uh, you know, Jay and Taylor are no joke, and even Will's not really gotten a chance to show off, and he's the youngest of those young bucks. Um, you know, Brett's no slouch. He's okay. And Adam's pretty scrappy and Zeke's scrappy. And David, you know, started out as total garbage in the challenges, but he's, you know, progressively getting better. So, plus the women, we still, you know, Michelle is very strong. Hannah and certain, I could see her in a puzzle situation or maybe some gross food challenge or just some other interesting kind of challenge. You know, I don't think she might outswim somebody or outrun somebody, but if there's some strategic element, I could see Hannah, you know, kicking some butt. And then Sunday, just I think she's got a good shot in Jessica. So there's all there's it's kind of wide open here of what what could happen. Yeah, Michelle seems to be in a pretty good place at the moment. 
I probably shouldn't have said that. Should probably get voted out next. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, yeah. But now that she can unite up and she's not the the woman on the outs, I I think she could be pretty strong. And from the promo for next week, I'm just kind of curious, you know, Hannah's reaction to what happened because she was just as shocked as uh, Michaela. She handled it from a more of a shock perspective. We'll get to the end with some of the, I just can't believe to my knowledge, I don't recall anyone ever interrupting Jeff when he's reading the votes. Like aside from an idol play, can you think of any thing like that happened when Michaela just turns around and just starts talking to Jay? Like I, I no. can't recall anything like that. No, but she was, I mean, that was sincere. That was, that was as sincere as it gets. I thought we almost had our first, I thought we might see our first, like, physical assault on Survivor. I thought, (laughs) I thought Jay was about to get punched or slapped in in the face, but... Michaela's a smart woman, and that didn't happen. But I was really thinking that if any time that looked about the closest, because she was right there, and if she hadn't and been on she TV, could have taken him, too. I think she could have, yeah. Taylor's a bigger dude. Yeah, I think she could have taken Jay. Um, yeah, she could so. have taken Jay. <laughs> she would have dropped him like a bag of dirt. But that did that didn't happen, so that that's a good thing. Um, but one thing I found with tying into Michaela's storyline is they go to the reward challenge and the tribes come in, and of course, um, Jakali's last, and then they see that uh, Biggie's gone, and then Hannah, who just Love her to death. She wears her heart on her sleeve, or she's not really wearing sleeves because it's the tropics. But she's like, "Oh my god!" Um, and then Michaela is just to wait. It. She's like, Jeff's like trying to call her out. Like, well, I thought you said if the three millennials will figure it out. And she's like, sometimes you just have to say what you're supposed to say. Go home, by Felicia. Because people it's say not that what all you want the, to these, say. Yeah. Sometimes you say what you're supposed to say, not what you want to say. This was one of those times. And uh, she just laid into it. I felt like I was in an online survivor game because there's a lot of people that use that by Felicia kind of language. And Kayla just let it out. And then Jeff's like, Taylor, do you have a comment on that? He's like, no comment. Like, he didn't want to have like a, uh, what, John Rocker moment when he was yelling at Natalie in San Juan del Sur, which made him look even worse than people thought he was. So I just thought, come on, people. I know you're you're supporting your your former group, but have some have some intelligence and not say it directly. And uh, it was a neat little challenge. It was uh, we've seen components of that before, but never all together. I thought I I really. I really like the reward challenge. I thought the stakes, uh, haha, literally were, you know, pretty high. Having a having <laughs> no a, pun intended. A, un, pun un and, and intended. Having your own chef <laughs> at camp 
And it's not Keith Famey from Australia. That would just be so cool. And Jeff's like, yeah, chicken and garlic shrimp and salad. And I'm like, that's what my lovely girlfriend made us for dinner. It was damn what we what had on the show. We didn't have cheesecake, though, because this, this weekend I splurged a little too much. So we had most of the reward challenge. Um, and it was funny when they were showing the shish kebabs that were available for second place and Michaela kept calling them skewers. And I just was like, what a weird thing. And I know she's from, I think what Texas originally. So I didn't know if that was a, is that more of a Southern expression? Cause I would just call, we would I open Ohio. That's just like a shish kebab. Is that a skewer something you had heard of before? Or is that just a Texas thing or skewer is the, The rod that goes through them, that's what you call the rod that goes through them. Yeah. A skewer. But had you ever heard the uh, shish kebab just called a skewer, though, when it's got the meat and stuff on it? I, I thought that was just kind of a weird, I, I just made a note it just was weird. No. Don't mess with Texas and don't mess with how Texans talk, I guess, because that's, that's how that Texan <laughs> I, talks. I, I am basically from the South, and I, I mean, I, I know what skewers are, but I've never heard, you know, kebabs called that, like, like that before. I don't know. I yeah, because then thanks for representing your region. And if Jeff had been like, "Hey, we're giving you skewers," I'd be like, "We got plenty of wood and camp. <laughs> what do you put on it? Like shit." And if he's like, "We've got shish kebabs," I'd be like, "Hell yeah!" My things I like to eat. There's no carbs. It's all it's all meat and it's all veggies. So you know, sign me up. Well, the only I will digress. Sometimes there's mushrooms on a shish kebab, and that is something that I definitely don't want to get involved in. I'm not a, a fungus kind of guy, so are you are you, you pro like or anti-fungus? Huh? Yeah, you a mushroom person? I like mushrooms, and you know, my husband didn't like mushrooms for a long time. And when we first got together, he didn't like mushrooms at all, and now he eats mushrooms. Well, I'm glad he made that. Them on his own. That's interesting. I hope I don't emulate your husband's behavior. I'm going to be team anti mushroom. I hope till the day I the day I die. We'll see though. I don't I don't know. I just it's one of those foods that I just can't stand. I don't know why. Sometimes just, your tastes change, and some you know sometimes you find later that you like things that you, uh, you thought you disliked earlier in life. And I've and I've done that before. I, I didn't eat stuffing or Parmesan cheese as a kid, like some kind of a weirdo. I guess it's a thing kids, little kids might not like, but I definitely understand the of liking stuff more. But young Michael, uh, adolescent Michael, uh, young adult, and I guess middle-aged or almost middle-aged Michael, no mushrooms. But maybe when I'm a... Uh, uh, old, an older guy, a more uh, definitive Gen X person, maybe mm-hmm. I'll be eating that mushroom. But um, 
With the challenge, nice three levels. They got three balls that you got to spin around to get to. And then after that, you had to shoot them into that little snake tunnel, get your ball through, and then toss the ball up on this structure. And, um, you know, Takali was doing okay at first, but then the other two tribes just dominated, especially the orange tribe, Vanua. I just couldn't believe... <clears throat> I would say the MVPs of the reward challenge by far were Zeke and Michelle. I don't know. They were just working those balls through those tubes. I I was just really impressed because Zeke was doing his end and Michelle was – whatever they worked together was like two or three times faster than the other, the other groups. And that's even with, you know, Zeke having trouble – you know, it looked pretty intimate when he was up on Chris's shoulders. Chris was trying to reposition him, but I'm not sure where his hands were. It reminded me of uh, Pinner and Scoopin in Philippines. So I don't know if Zeke was a fan of that, but, you know, he was having trouble. Then they tossed David up there, and David eventually got the bag off. Um, and Vanua was able to get through that, win the reward, and get all that food and their chef back at camp. And... Um, Ikabula got their skewers, so there you go, they were, and I was surprised that uh, Takali, who's been pretty pretty decent in at least the immunities, had some trouble there, and Ken, you know, still got, was, you know, trying to help them through it, you know, he was very accurate getting the balls through, but just couldn't get the balls up on that platform, so I don't know if that was a height advantage for Chris, but because uh, Michaela is, I think, just a little taller than Ken, and she was able to get her group to second. Um, and I she thought came from behind. They came from behind, and Michaela. It was another one. If you go back and watch the episode, it's like the editors are just, you know, making this blatantly obvious. She's like, "I was happy to get second place, but I don't want people to think I can. I'm the one to beat." Like, well, Michaela, you're too strong. You're a you're a threat, and, and they definitely they definitely saw it. Um, then they go to a commercial, and then they're back at camp, and the um, the chefs there, and they're this, and even for somebody like David, who's a big fan, they're just porking out like crazy. And David's like, I've never eaten this much in one sitting, and I I thought Zeke still had some of the best lines of the of this whole season, talking about as a as a kid he was always on diets um he wasn't a lot to eat and he's like my inner fat kid wanted to binge baby and they're going they're going nuts and chris is like we're, we're like animals eating and michelle's using her utensils and then we got our homage to blazing saddles which i just watched in in its entirety like a couple of days ago i just had never seen it it was on my netflix queue when gene wilder passed away and i think a lot of that was editing. I don't know. A lot of that gaseous noise didn't seem like something you normally hear at 8 o'clock on primetime TV because I don't think that was coming out of the four survivors' uh, mouths or their butts. It sounded like some of that was just uh, Foley work. So did you think that was an authentic scene, some of that gas, or did it seem a little amped up to with you with the audio of the editor, editors, did you notice that that there seemed to be a lot of, a lot of gas not correlating with actual people? Do you think it was? 
piped in, so to speak? Well, I, I know that one of them said I'm just hiccuping, but I kept hearing uh, more of a flatulent sound, but I didn't really see people, like, shifting their lower portions of their body. I think there were probably a couple. There were a couple farts for sure, but it just seemed like they were just playing a little too much of that for me. It seemed like a little – they tried to sell it too much. That's just my – that's just my – perspective i may be wrong after two watches that just seemed what i what i was watching but michelle was just you know their bodily functions it got to be it was gross and annoying so once again you know women have their tendencies on this show but so do men men i guess get a little too comfortable and that some of that behavior be normal guy with guy activity because i know how i am around a bunch of dudes versus a bunch of you know, mixed company, there's definitely the, the flatulence quotient decreases if it's a lot of ladies in the room, at least the guys I hang around with. I don't know if that's just some hanging around with some high, higher brow dudes. But, uh, Poor Michelle was saying, you know, at least her her parents, you know, raised her with manners and morals, and <laughs> she couldn't believe that they were just sitting there letting them rip. Well, yeah, and a lot. Some of that could have been a, you know, a fart or two. But I mean, if you're eating that much food after 19 days, your body's adjustment to the the different um, spices and some of the different stuff with the meat, and even having that much meat, it's it makes sense that you're gonna have some bodily involuntary reactions. So I think some of that would be they were eating way too fast and they were being rude about it too. And the body was having some natural reactions, but they didn't have to be as as disgusting as they were. (laughs) But uh, then I thought it was neat. uh, They switched back to Takali and I thought they had a great exchange where, you know, Taylor looks like he's, he's dead to rights. You know, Figgy gets sent home and, He's a big threat to them, and if they go to tribal, you know, Adam's worked with them before. But if they had had to go to tribal, I don't. I think there might have been a decent shot. Adam might have had to pull out his idol. Did you? What's your take on the scene with Ken, Jessica, and Taylor talking about Adam? Um, I thought that was pretty good. I thought it was pretty. pretty down to earth, I guess I'd say. Um, yep. Did Did you feel that they were being, do you think Taylor was being genuine with Jessica and Ken, and do you think they were being genuine with him? Do you think they would really trust him more? Do you think they trust Adam for actually working with them? What do you think? I believe Ken... And Jessica, I don't know if I, how much I believe Taylor just yet. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And he's like, I'll shake on it, but you got to think, yeah, he's still upset that Figgy got the boot and Adam was the third vote in that. But without the other two votes, you know, it's not even an issue. So, I would, I would agree with, you know, your, your assessment there. Um, and then just. Flipping it, I think there was a commercial or somewhere maybe the same day. They go to the Ikabula camp before the next challenge, and Michaela is just 
talking and just it was a great I called it a hubris edit where she's like talking about the bees and or the all the animals buzzing around and bothering them and that's all in your brain you can control that you know the itching is in your mind I'm like if I I got bit by something and it's definitely not in my mind it's on my ass um, so I didn't really like that. And she's like Steve Jobs, Michael Jordan, and Michaela Bradshaw. You know, if you can't take the key, heat, get out of the kitchen. So I made a, just a joke on my notes that, yeah, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. But the health inspector just showed up, and he, he got you out of the kitchen. And I think the health inspector might be one of the weirdest plot points, which is in this same little section right afterwards is and I don't know if we had heard it until this episode is Brett's fake story about being a funeral director I thought that was just an interesting cover because he was talking about police don't always do well and which is is true a lot of police officers haven't done well but they typically you know they're not like the first three or four boots usually I can only think of like Betsy and Samoa but, uh, you know, like Ken in Thailand, he, he made the jury, and Amy O'Hara was right before then, like Kelly Remington, uh, and one in, uh, what was that? Yeah, in Worlds Apart, she was right before the merge. So, but I understand cops being being a threat to change it, but it was neat how Hannah's like, I'm 70% sure that Brett is a cop. And I just love when the cast members that are they're deprived of their nutrients and their family and sleep, they, they get these interesting percentages of how they feel about things. I was just, you know, like, what about 75%? I just never ever heard anyone just throw out 70%. But Hannah Hannah felt that way, and she went to the others, and they all felt it. And, and I was just, I love Jay, but Jay's like, Brett, Brett says he, he whatever, he, but I think he's a cop. And if I was down in Florida... And if he was investigating, all my buddies were on the beach making a bonfire. I know he'd try to come and, you know, <laughs> arrest us. And I was like, what a funny way to view that. But he just, I can just see in Jay's mind picturing Brett wearing a cop's outfit, running around, you know, trying to give him a <laughs> ticket for a bonfire on the beach. And I love it. He's yeah. like, he's too funny and lively to be a funeral director. And I thought back to... If you remember My Girl with uh, Anna Chomsky and Macaulay Culkin, where she, uh, where Macaulay Culkin is a kid who dies from the bee sting and they have to bury him, but Dan Aykroyd's a funeral director in that, and he's pretty lively. I, I think they they might have a job where they have to be really serious, but it's definitely an interesting, weird job. So I'm kind of surprised there's been what one one funeral director in reality that I can remember, even on the show. I think it was Stacy from South Pacific. I think she had something to do with. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, Dara. My bad. Wow, I shouldn't forget the Pearl Islands. Dara was a mortician. So, uh, what did you think of the cover story and how much they blew up his cover story? I think it was it was a really good um, intuitive pickup to to figure out that he's a cat. Smart, and I like Hannah. She's like, I I'm, I grew up in Boston, so I think he's a cop. Like, it's amazing the stereotypes people just are like, yeah, he just looks like a Boston cop, and which is amazing. That's 
pretty much what he is. I don't know the exact – let me check the exact town. Yeah, Dedham, Massachusetts, which I'm not a – let me look and see where that even is. But I'm pretty sure it's – yeah, it's right It's right near Boston. It's in Boston's southwest border. It's right there. It's southeast of Canton, Mass. And if you – I don't know if you're up on your survivor hometowns, but probably one of the most famous survivors ever from Canton, Massachusetts, Boston Rob Mariano. So if this guy's from a town right next to Canton, Massachusetts. Tony Blachos lives up there too. Yeah, Tony too. So strong, strong presence. But uh, you know, Brett got called out on his stuff, and I thought later on at Tribal, after the challenge, I thought it was funny when Brett was like, "Where's the exact line?" He said, "Yeah." I'm game for anything. I'm just trying to be genuine. And they look, they show this shot at Jay, and Jay's just like, they were really selling that blind side that they didn't want us to fully grasp it then, because you know Jay didn't call him out on the on the at tribal and on, didn't do it on the show either. So I just found it interesting his reaction to that. Um. And then the immunity challenge, which was uh, something we've seen before, but with some different wrinkles to it, just like the other challenge. So I'm liking similar components to things we've seen, but the new combinations of everything together. You know, that was cool. Another another coconut challenge. And, you know, do all that. Get your uh, get the coconuts. If you weigh it down, then that pulls out a key, which opens up the slingshot. Then you got to knock down the five targets um and once again one group was doing well and then they just lost their momentum and uh i couldn't believe there was uh michelle was so so worked up about figuring out her her puzzle and there were only six combinations and she just got way in her own head and uh i think Ropes is riding her pretty well. And he, Jeff had another great quote during this episode. He's like, nothing but wood. And I'm just like, does he want this to be tweeted? Is he looking for memes? Like, come on, Jeff. Like, I could see, I could see, have you seen that shot where Jeff Probst is on uh, Two and a Half Men holding the plate of bacon, I think, or one of those CBS shows? I could just see somebody making a meme that says nothing but wood. And putting that on with Jeff. But uh, Takali got back in the right swing of things. And yet another challenge. You have to get five targets. Um, Taylor gets one, and who do you think got the other four? It was Chris. Oh, sorry. Uh, That's Vanua, the orange stripe, but from the purple group. Who's been the, the strong... Dedicated beast all along. Oh, oh. Ken. I just couldn't believe. Well, Chris Ken, did well, yeah. too. Chris Chris got four of their targets. So, Chris and Ken, I would say, are the uh, the co-MVPs of the Immunity Challenge. And I found um, just some more of the dynamics with how she interacted with other people. You know, Brett's looking at like he wants to do the uh, slingshot portion and he's standing up there, but then Michaela's running up like she wants to do it. Then he, Brett's 
sees that she's strong and challenged, is like, oh, do you want to go? And she's like, don't be indecisive or don't be passive. Figure out what you want to do. And he's, he was asking her, you know, what does she want to do it? Because she looked like she wanted to do it. So I don't, I just found that was like, that summarized a lot to me, Michaela's social game, that immunity challenge interaction with Brett. Do you think, did you notice that? Did you think about that at all? Or have you seen her? I think she's just acted like that in other challenges too. I, I really didn't pick up on that too much. Um, okay. I probably should have. I probably That's should okay. have. Just, just something I, just something I noticed. And, uh, so those two are safe. And I was really thinking this was a wide open opportunity for one tribe to have immunity by themselves and do a double vote. But I guess we're going to have all kinds of people at the, in the jury and the merge. So there has to be at some point soon, two people eliminated in one episode, just for the numbers to work. Unless there's some medevacs, it just seems like we've got weight. We've got a lot of people on November 3rd still in this game. Dab out of 20 people, 13 still in the mix. I just found that funny. But uh, Jeff asked him, you know, how soon are you guys going to be talking when you get back to camp? And, you know, they were all predicting it would be really quick, but then they were sitting on that damn log for half an hour just looking at each other and not doing anything. And I guess even if one of them had wanted to talk, it was just no one else would go do it. So I thought that was a, a very interesting thing. And then, you know, Sunday and Brett knew where they stood. And it was hard to watch because, you know, I've been kind of neutral on Sunday, not really negative on her, but not like, yay, I'm team Sunday. But it was sad seeing her upset and being like, I don't want somebody else to control my fate. And, you know, that when that happens in a game, it, it does suck to know you have no power and it's either you or your ally and just because you don't go – home this vote out. If you lose again, you know you're going to go home, so what kind of move can you make? And her her specific line of, I'm not used to others deciding my fate. And I think that's the hardest thing for many people on Survivor to come to grips with, and many usually don't until they get voted out. But I, I really I like that as you exchange, and then uh Brett had a good strategy, did not even go together to split up and kind of force the force it because if they're if they're going six people voting, if both of them vote for the other one and then it's a split, um, makes it a little interesting. They could they could have tagged back on the person after the, the tie and the revote. But uh Michaela just goes out to the beach and she's just showing all her cards. She's got seashells, and she's got rocks, and she's like, this is this, and this is this, and we're going to do this on day this, and it was easy for me to follow, but I like the reaction to the, from the other players was just, wow, she's so smart and strategic, and I'm like, she's just showing who's in that your tribe, and who's in the other tribe, and who was on X, and who was on Millennial. I, di- I didn't think it was like, I think she's a good strategist, but I didn't think it was like the the best thing I'd ever seen on the show. Did you have an opinion on that either where Michaela was just I think she I think she should have kept her her strategy to herself yeah you know I 
I know she was just trying to be a leader and help her team, show her team that she knows what she's doing and, and be a leader. But it backfired on her. Yep. And it it scared the bejeebies out of everybody. And look what happened. Yep. And she's I love it. She's like, yeah, it doesn't matter who goes. Doesn't really matter who goes home next. And it's like, what if it's you? It might matter a little bit. Um, so that all happens, and then they they pretty much determine that. You know, the girls are going to vote for Brett and the boys for Sunday, and the revote will be Brett. But then Jay just gets this funny feeling, and he figures out that she's too much of a threat. And he was talking to Will, and it was a good thing to go back to with Michaela knowing that Jay has the idol. I think Will was really smart to either mention that or for Tim to support when he remembered it that she would be a, a big threat. And she was. Well, I'm trying to, I highlighted this and I underlined it. It's Will talking. I'm trying to remember. Oh, okay. When Will says the reason why they didn't involve Hannah is if we tell Hannah, she'll freak out. And if we don't tell Hannah, she's going to freak out. So I think Will, for being an 18-year-old kid who left high school early, definitely knew how to read Hannah because if they had said it word to Hannah, it would have gone right back to Michaela, and she may have been able to finagle something. Um, and then I have Jay wrote, I have just have a note from the Jay said, uh, Survivor, not a joke. You must uh, you gotta trust him for the rest of the game. And he's like, I don't trust Brett. And I was like, Ooh, interesting. Are they gonna get? Are they really gonna go back and go on Brett? Well, then they go to, you know, tribal council, and they're going through everything. And Michaela, they're talking about all the majority groups getting rid of their one of their own. And Michaela's like, Cause that's it. the other tribes are that because they're sketchy people. And I was just like. Just wait like six minutes and see how really sketchy you think these people are. Because they're getting sketchier. And then, yeah, and Jay's talking about the specifics. And then Jeff's like, well, Sunday, were you correct? You take about two seconds. And she's like, well, Jeff, we sat on a log, not talking to each other for 30 minutes. And uh, I was just like, I, it's what happened, and they, they sold it to us. And Jeff knew the right numbers on the wall, talking to Brett and Sunday. You know, Sunday's like, Brett and I are aware we're on the outs for to two. And that's where I got back to the quote from Brett. I said earlier where, yeah, I'm game for anything. I'm being totally genuine. I'm like, you're lucky that the tribal council has a roof because it had been raining. The lightning was coming for you, Brett, because that was you know, <laughs> not, not, not what was going on. And then Jeff also brings up to Will, you know, how the game's been different since Will was born. You know, he was like two when the show came out, which is just crazy to think about. But he's like, yeah, it's about temporary alliances and a 
Millennial, and that winds up in the Millennial game. And he, he makes direct reference to Tony, which was, you know, showed his fandom. And uh, I just found it was interesting that Will was aware of all that. Uh, and then Jay's like, yeah, it's going to be tough to get rid of Brett and Sandy. And they're just, or Sunday. Can't read. And Will's like, they're strongworthy and trustworthy people. Um, and then Mikhail's like, I hope nobody feels at the bottom four to two once we go to vote because this is going to be the final five. And I was just like, oh. And then uh, they go to vote. And I wasn't 100% sure. I was feeling like uh, Mikhail was in trouble, but I wasn't 100% sure what the vote was going to be, if they were able, able to twist it and it was going to go down. And then we get to the third Michaela vote, and she stops Jeff by just turning around and saying, did you do that? And then Jay looks right back at her and said, yeah, I did. And then she's like, <laughs> the CBS editors had to go crazy. And this is all quotes, so I don't want the FCC to get excited or whatever. But it's like, damn, Jay, you fucked up. And Hannah's like, What? And then Michelle, or Michaela, is still like, you're going to feel like you fucked up something good and you're an asshole. And I was just like, wow, very, very intense boot. And I thought Jeff totally lost control there for a while. Uh, Michaela was a huge presence. And, you know, even getting her torch snuffed was one of the most, I think, aggressive back at her, at her group. And uh, she went home, and uh, I know your feelings on that. And I, I like Michaela. I thought she was good television, but I think I just feel she was too too much of a threat to the people. And some of the way, some of the social aspects of her game, and being too definitively strategic, I thought it all just kind of hurt her. So, do you have any final thoughts on tribal council and the way the vote went down, and Michaela? getting sent home I was shocked I was I was this is one time when I was absolutely blindsided as well not ready for this one at all I was so enjoying seeing Michaela just go beast mode on these challenges and do so well and really wanted to see her make it to the merge um, I was so bummed to see her go. Yeah. So, so bummed. And I know that she absolutely would have stayed solid with her alliance. You know, she's she has a, a very rough around the edges um, sort of I don't know what the word is I'm I'm looking for you know she she calls it like it is she says exactly what's on her mind and she doesn't hold anything back straight shooter she is a straight shooter and she may 
bark orders here here and again, but if she's doing that, she's only doing it because she's trying to do something to better the circumstances. She's not doing it just for her her own betterment. You know, she's not barking orders, hey, go get me some water. Hey, go get me something, you know, something just for her. You know, hey, go, go make me more comfortable. You know, go do something just for me. The only time she ever barked orders or, or got loud or, or did anything like that, it was for it was because she was trying to push the team forward. Yep. And so I understand that and I think the reason Hannah was so upset is because I think Hannah understood that. Yeah. You know, because she, you know, Michaela yelled at Hannah. Yeah. I mean, yelled, screamed at her. Right after her panic attack, the challenge right after, so yeah. But I think Hannah realized that Michaela is just that kind of person that is, you know, she might, she might yell, she might, you know, bark orders, but it, she's always thinking about getting the team further and doing what's better for the team. And she always will calm down and, and mellow out and, Usually, I think I've seen her apologize and and be just, you know, the nice Michaela in moments, you know, afterward. I think she just goes from zero to 60 really quick, and then she calms down really quick. Yep. But... You know, you have to get to know and and learn how to be around those kind of people, or she's going to have to learn how to control that better. One of the two. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, she was definitely a huge personality and a huge part of this season, and uh, I think down the road she's got a pretty good shot in some capacity. There's uh, they always like bringing back uh, strong people, so you know maybe fans favorites three or some other scenario. I think there's a pretty high probability she'll get in the mix again just because she was that interesting and in only being in seven episodes. So I certainly hope to see her back because she was she had become one of my favorites this season. Or you know. We certainly liked, you know, David and Ken, um, but I was really, you know, and Adam as well, but I was really jumping on Team Michaela. Uh, she, she's an incredible lady, and I hated to see her go. 
mm-hmm. I was so blindsided, and it broke my heart to see her walk out of there last night. I would. I didn't I share the same sentiments, just from a production standpoint. I I see how hugely valuable she is. She wasn't one of my favorite players, though, just because I think some of the you know the bull in the china shop is kind of how I say like, yeah, she broke she break a lot of china, but you wouldn't have much china left. So yeah, I think that scorched earth kind of mentality could have gotten her group pretty far, but as the leader of that. I think there might have been some resentful people at the end of the game. So. Yeah. Well, we'll hopefully if she work. comes back again, she'll learn from her mistakes, and she will come back with a new and improved attitude and better capabilities on um, communication with, with people. Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. And for such a great player, it's a bit unfortunate what happened also yesterday. We had the one of the lowest survivor ratings ever, even close to the Thanksgiving recaps, because it's a little sporting event that happened, which was uh, <laughs> pretty amazing. Um I grew up in southwestern Ohio, and the only the first sports team I ever saw, professional sports team, was the Reds at Riverfront Stadium, but I'll definitely support the National League Central. And uh, I was so happy for the results last night. So as a fellow NL Central person, what was your reaction to this other big sporting event last night? And What'd you think? Well, you came along a little bit after the fact, so you aren't as familiar with um, the founder of the Rad Reality Show Network. Um, but the founder of the show, Ron Radkowitz, um, originally was from Chicago. Yeah. And he lived, ate, breathed, Slept everything. The Cubs. I mean, he knew the Cubs inside and out. He had like one of those photographic memories. Oh yeah. And his grand, his granny started taking him to Cubs games when he was a very young little boy. And they would stay after the game, and she would hang around and get the players to sign autographs for him. Oh, when he was cool. very little. And he started collecting baseball cards when he was very young because he was born with a, a congenital heart defect. He had his first surgery, open heart surgery when he was seven. So he was forced to stay out of playing sports in school. And because he wasn't able to play sports in school, he had to do, you know, something. He wanted to be somehow involved in sports. So yeah. what he did was he started collecting sports cards, like baseball cards. Yeah. And his mom, his granny would get those cards autographed for him. And he got so highly involved in collecting these cards and learning stats 
and Ron knew the stats of the Cubs like no one I've ever known. I mean, Uh that guy could tell you anything about the Cubs. Anything. And so on Monday's show, the Cubs were down three to two. And on Monday's show, I told Michelle, we're going to play Go Cubs Go for Ron. Played that in the very opening portion of the show. And the Cubs won the next two games. So I'm taking credit for the Cubs winning. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you um, go. But I, I just know that Ron and his granny are both in heaven right now, and I know that they're doing backflips over the moon right now, and there's going to be two very, very, very special people in my heart that are going to be present at the celebration parade in Chicago. Angels from heaven are going to be there watching that parade because they waited so, so long. And now I know there's going to be a lot of people there and a lot of people, a lot of angels from heaven that waited for a long time too, but I know that Ron and his granny are going to be there. And so as we close tonight's show, I'm going to play Go Cubs Go one more time just for Ron because I know how much he enjoyed that win. And this one's going to be for him and his granny. I'm so glad that you're a Cubs fan because, you know, being from where you're from, you could have basically kind of went either way. Yeah, I got a lot of resentment. Not resentment, but people are like, why aren't you rooting for our state's team? And I'm like, hey, 108 years is a long time to not win a championship. And they, I just wanted to see the Cubs do it. Uh, the Indians, they they won one, what, 40, 40 years later. So they can win it next year. I'd, I would have rooted for the Indians over any any National League team except for maybe the, the Cubs in that scenario or the Reds. Anyone else I would have pulled for the Indians just because, you know, one of my favorite movies as a kid was Major League. So, you know, I just loved how it was. Yeah, the you know, being the Cardinals, you know, we have a thing going with the Cubs, you know, all the time as rivals, you know, but I was rooting for the Cubs for Ron and his granny. I mean, I heard so many of his childhood stories, and I I couldn't do anything but root for the Cubs. My husband looks at me and says, you're rooting for the Cubs? I'm like, Heck yeah, I'm rooting for the Cubs, you know, for Ron. I mean, I, I just have to. Um, you know, the Cardinals have won so many over the years. And to, to wait that long, I know mean, there's some diehard fans. And they deserve it. And uh, I wish he could still, you know, could have still been here 
to see it happen live, but I know he's up there in heaven having a great time and enjoying this, so. He's with his granny, and they're both enjoying it. Well, my hat's off, and I don't know the words, but I'll try to sing along. (laughs) Well, if you don't have anything else, let's go ahead and close it out. Remember, everyone, to join us on Monday for the Manic Monday Show with Michelle Costa at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. I want to go ahead and... um, I'm going to do something real quick here. Um, I'm going to play this Go Cubs Go, and then we'll close the show out with Ron, as we always do. So here we go. Baseball season's underway. Well, you better get ready for a brand new I've heard that. Now I remember. (laughs) Yeah, it was just a real short 30-second clip of it. We didn't play the whole song or anything. So, Go Cubs Go. I uh, certainly enjoyed rooting for them last night, and I'm glad they got the win. So, we're going to close tonight's show with Ron, as we always do. Everybody, have a great, great weekend. Thank you for joining us tonight. Make sure you're back here with us next Thursday night for Mike and the Mike with Mike Albright, the number one Survivor fan in all the land. Mike, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Great show, and can't wait to do it again next week, next Thursday. Here is Ron to take us out for the evening. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all of my listeners, thank you guys, and thank you all for coming in. bless you and thank you for listening to the show and it was a great one it's always a great one with Mike Albright Mike you want to say good night good night everybody have a beautiful weekend all right and be kind out there everybody have a great one That's a wrap for us tonight. Come back with us next Thursday. Good night, all.